one of the one of the pieces or the stats that stuck stood out to me recently was the Globe and Mail has been doing a series called The Power Gap. And they found out that there was more CEOs named Michael than there are female CEOs in the publicly traded companies in Canada. Ryan, it's International Women's Day, and we had an, a, a rock star of a CEO on today named Sarah Jordan from Mastermind Toys. And could you imagine being a first-time CEO January 2020 and having to navigate through a pandemic? Oh my gosh, yeah, we definitely get into that and all the things she put in place. And she she made a massive lift in a short amount of time in, a, in that company. And uh, I think it's because of, of obviously her charisma, but also, you know, going in and creating some belief around the strategy she wanted to implement and her ability to pivot the organization. And she was very authentic. And we talk a lot about that and why it's important in leadership. For those of you in the States, Sarah, uh, again, runs Mastermind Toys at 70 of chains in Canada. And she comes out of the Boston Consulting Group, was an engineer before she moved into, I mean, I, she's a great leader. I mean, it's clear that she's a great leader and she's passionate about uh, women leadership as well. But I just think she's a great leader, whether she's man, woman, whatever. She, she's a, an excellent, excellent communicator and leader. And we talk about her leadership style through this pandemic. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. This is where Ryan Thompson, I, I wish we would have video for everyone who's just listening because when I think about Mastermind Toys, what I've learned is that patented wallpaper that you've got going on back there. Our signature birthday confetti wrapping paper that's designed in Canada and is available free in all of our stores coast to coast in Canada. How do we get you down here? Is, is that selfish of me to, to start with that question? Well, it's kind of selfish, but I think, you know, we are Canada's authority on play. So let's, let's start there. Yeah. Where did that like, tell me a little bit more about that line. Sure. Well, you know, Mastermind's toy started in 1984. It was originally an educational software company and it was founded by two brothers and they had this deep belief. And it's also our purpose statement that play is kids work. And how, how incredibly relevant is that in today's world? So in 1984, one store, now today, 2021, we're 69 stores coast to coast. But what's special about us is how we think about curating our toys. We have a Why Kids Play model. It's based on each kid's age and stage, and it thinks about their development of their body, mind, and expression. And so still to this day, across Canada, we are known as the authority on play. You can come to us for a birthday present. You can come to us for a holiday present or a reward when your kid hits a milestone. We are here to help. Our website is curated. Our stores are curated. We're filled with wonder and delight. And so we proudly call ourselves, and we think we've earned the title of Canada's authority on play. That's so fun. Um, I have two little girls and play is definitely their work. And it it brings play into my life and reminds you of how important that is. And, you know, with that line being the authority in play, what does that mean for the parents too? Well, I think for the parents, they can trust us that if they have something that they want to talk to us about in terms of what their child's need needs are, or it could be as, as easy as, you know, 
outfitting their backyard as recess now or their front yard, at least in Canada, you know, birthday parties are now birthday parades on the sidewalk. So we can help them reimagine every life and moment um, that, that kids are going through. And I think that's really special in today's age because Canadians have certainly, and I think everyone has certainly reimagined the way they work, live, learn, and play. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you have to be creative right now and, and think about ways that you can still engage and have that type of connection through play. So that's just wonderful to hear that you guys are helping that. You know, something else that I read about you, Sarah, was that um, one of your big priorities is putting the well-being of your employees and customers at the forefront. And you've helped lead your company through a transformation and you're committed to delivering that. So it'd be great to hear a little bit about what you're doing in that space and, and how you came to prioritize that. Yeah, well, let me rewind then and tell you a little bit about myself. So uh, my background is that I'm an engineer, chemical engineer with an MBA, and I started my career in strategy consultant. I spent 10 years with the Boston Consulting Group. And over that time, I developed a really deep expertise on all things customer, customer experience, customer loyalty, customer segmentation. But one of the founding principles on customer experience that I learned and I observed by advising Fortune 500 companies that were really great at customer experience or wanted to be world-class at customer experience is that it always starts with the employee first. So my leadership style and how I build culture is really putting that employee first. Um, for me, employee experience drives customer experience. So when I think about the adventure that we've gone on over the last 12 months, uh, and certainly, you know, I joined January of 2020, which is exceptional timing when you think about it. We, we shut our stores down before the government mandate. And Ryan, it was really my rooting and how I feel about employees, but also our belief that play is kids work. That purpose was what led me to, to take that decision, to make that courageous decision to close our stores early. Um, and to do that, to keep our littlest customers, but also our store associates safe. And that was really important to me. So when you talk about what does customer experience mean to me and how do I lead with employee first, it's, it's because of my decade long um, experience in wanting to build customer obsessed cultures that start with the employee first. I mean, the universe is a funny place though, right? It's like, congratulations, here, here you go, first time CEO, and we're gonna just serve up a big pandemic right on your plate. And so, I mean, how, how, is, how have you sort of navigated that reality and did it change? I, I Matt, of course, it, I'm sure it's changed like the way you've gone about the job, but can you share a little bit? Happy to. And you know, it's funny, I was gifted multiple copies of the first 90 days, the iconic book on leadership, what you should do in your first 90 days, which is actively listening, don't make a lot of decisions. And I can tell you honestly, Ryan, that book did not apply for me. My first 90 days did not look like that. Uh, certainly, I feel that it required me to really stop and think. And it was obvious in March of last year that there was a heaviness to the situation. And I really felt in that moment, in my first 90 days, that this wasn't just going to be a defining moment for my time at Mastermind. This was going to be a defining moment for my leadership in my career lifespan. When are you ever going to be at the steering wheel of a retailer, a really hard hit industry, non-essential? We were deemed non-essential. When else am I going to be the leader that is also really proudly Canadian? We have our roots in Toronto. We, we are 37 years old in Canada. 
we are iconic, including our, you know, wrapping paper that we've just talked about. I really felt the heaviness of the situation. And I knew that I needed to rise to the challenge. And how I thought about that was really all about my people. We have corporate goals at Mastermind. But in that moment, I started thinking about how do I want my employees to act coast to coast from my warehouse to my head office to my stores? What am I going to ask them to do? So I asked them to do three things. First, I asked them to keep Mastermind a special place. That was my first ask and my most important ask because we do have a special culture and we have a special way that we show up. The second thing I did was I asked them to be bold and scrappy. And that's my way of saying you have permission to fail. I've been in a lot of organizations where you're given permission to fail, but the moment that you do so, there's consequences or there's actions that are taken. And I really said to my team, let's be bold and scrappy. There's been a shock to the system. We're going to get an opportunity to innovate. I've come in with the change agenda. Let's go for it. You have permission from me to go for it. And then the final thing I asked them was, let's build momentum together. Let's come out of this stronger. Whenever that is, let's build that momentum. And so those three asks that I made of my team, boy, did they over deliver. I mean, coming, we're not quite out of the pandemic yet, but I am so proud of the mastermind team and what they've accomplished. And I really felt like it was important to focus on how do we show up together versus what do we need to get done? And my leadership got completely transformed uh, over the last, over the last year. Well, first of all, I love that these are all, all three, right? So we, you had keep mastermind toy special you had be bold and scrappy what a surprise the courageous guys are going to like that one and then build momentum like we're going to come out of this how do we how are we going to be ready for tomorrow you know they're, they're all tied to behaviors that you're asking of your team or your people these people that you haven't met yet really across at least in, except in zoom life perhaps how hard has that been i mean i'm, I'm assuming when you start the job you are you are listening you go you probably got to like day seven of the 90-day plan but then how have you been able to like communicate with your teams and, and actually activate these three behavioral goals? So I did have a few weeks before there was a pandemic that became a reality. And I started a coast to coast tour to visit all my stores. And when I visited all my stores, I asked them to answer a few questions in advance. It was a tell me more page. If your store were a, were a toy, what would it be? What's your favorite book to sell? If you could have one event for customers, what it would be? And I started on this 69 store tour. I didn't make it quite halfway before we all got grounded, so to speak. But I did start to get a feeling for what we needed to do to innovate. Now, I do have to tell you, when we shut down our stores, we didn't really have a lifeline. We didn't have contactless curbside. And so when we shut down our stores, we... we shut down the business essentially. In 2019, the year before the pandemic, only a handful, less than a handful of percent, let's call it 4%, 5% of our sales were digital. So we really did need to innovate differently. And if I couldn't get out to stores and I couldn't see people coast to coast in person, what would I do? And I have to tell you, Ryan, I really felt like my job started to become the chief communicator. I had to find ways to reinvent the water cooler moment, reinvent the town hall. And so we started hosting town halls and more frequently, instead of doing them monthly, we did them bi-weekly. It was an opportunity for us to talk about our strategy, make my asks of the team. I had a request that in every town hall, we were gonna talk about how we were being bold and scrappy. I, I started every town hall with how the small wins that since the last time we spoke, two weeks ago, what have we accomplished together that we can celebrate? 
And it really became important to inspire our people. I'm a big believer in co-creation. I think the best ideas come from orthogonal points of views or different points of views or in the moment with the customer. And so we started rolling out communications tools or forums where people could connect with me or connect with those in the head office or connect on other teams so that we could share ideas. We've had some of the best ideas come up through the pandemic. And then as a team, we rallied around actually making them happen. And so that's how we started to really come together as a team over Zoom through little boxes with our iconic wrapping paper in the background to remind us that we were part of something special and we were part of Mastermind Toys. There's so much in there, Sarah, and it's it's a wonderful story to hear on the leadership and, and what we actually call believership. And we believe leaders need to create that belief system, right, to... Um, rally behind a vision. And the way we define courage is knowledge plus faith plus action. And you need all three working in harmony to get to those courageous ideas and, and make things a reality. You know, one of the things that you said in there was just around diversity of thought and getting um, different perspective. And I know that uh, you are focused on building a powerhouse team. And part of that is actually looking at reshaping the leadership team to get balanced gender representation. Can you tell us why that's important? Well, you, you put a lot in that question. I have a couple of things I want to react to. The, the first one, just in general, on me building teams, this is my superpower. I love building a team around me that can be at their best. And there's a couple of things that are important to me. One, I deeply know my strengths. And I play to my strengths. So when I took the mastermind role as CEO, my first CEO gig ever, I knew what I was bringing to the party. And I also knew what I wasn't. I am unafraid of putting the best team on the field. And so for me, I rounded out my leadership team with the people who could cover my blind spots and take me to the next level. And I've realized over time, over my career, that not all leaders have that philosophy of putting the best team on the field. Now, to get to your question around diversity, I define diversity as a diversity of perspectives. And that comes in a lot of different forms. For me, being a female CEO, I've grown up in a world where that equality hasn't always been there. And so when I'm in an opportunity, when I have a role where I can create change, I'm going to. And so in my first 90 days, I reshaped our leadership team, but I also ensured that it had equal gender representation. And for me, that's something that I will continue to do through my, through my career. And then there was one more word that you threw in there, Ryan, which was believership. And I wanna tell you a little bit about my career journey in terms of leaders who have believed in me and those that haven't. I have a very authentic, passionate leadership and communication style. And what you see is what you get. And over my career, I've had leaders who believed in me and I've had leaders who have asked me to prove myself. And I do not perform well when I need to prove myself to others. So I believe now as a leader that the most important thing that I can do is believe in others. That's my default. If you are on my team, I believe in you. I give you stretch opportunities. I give you more leash. And you know what's funny about that? I've never been let down once by giving people more of an opportunity to shine. Quite frankly, they have always exceeded my expectations. And so I just think that's such an important word that you've used is as a leader, how do you create believership? And that first has to come with, you believe in others so they can believe in themselves. That is so important. And you're a parent, right? 
Yeah, I have two kids. Right. So, I mean, you believe in your kids and you provide them unwavering support, even when they make mistakes. And I think taking that into the business world can be so meaningful. And I'm curious, just how have you balanced um, being a mother and also being an executive? And how has that been for you? Well, thanks for asking. You know, I don't often talk about being a female leader and I don't often talk about being a working parent, but I think there's two myths that I always try to break and talk about being a working parent. The first one is, is I personally did not lose my ambition when I became a parent. And I think sometimes people believe that you want to take a step back or you want to take a step sideways. And for me, I didn't lose that ambition. And the second myth that I want to bust, or at least I want to amplify the statement is, I am a better leader because I'm a working parent. There is no one in this world who could have taught me patience like my children. And there was no one who could have taught me that sometimes you're not in control like my children. And and my world exploded into Technicolor when I had them for sure. But being a working parent has made me full stop a better leader. And that's something that I want every working parent to have the opportunity to be a part of, which is that it doesn't have to be a decelerator or a sideways step. It can actually be reinforced in the workplace. And I believe more in work-life blend uh, than work-life balance. And so I've always brought my full self to work. And it's been an incredible, it's been an incredible moment being a working parent and being the CEO of a toy store that was closed in December and knowing how to help parents have that holiday hustle to get the presents that they needed for the holidays. It's been, it's been a wonderful experience and it's been a real privilege leading mastermind toys. I think we have to acknowledge that it is the week of international women's day, which is March 8th. Um, And I believe Sarah, you are, you know, we've had Katie Decker on the show. She's president Johnson Johnson us, but you are the first woman CEO we've had on the show and it's, it's still a new show. It's a fairly new show. What episode are we on, Ryan? Are we in 40? We're, we're in the 40s, yeah. Uh, but I, I do love that you're on during this week. And um, and I think it's clear that the way you're going about leading, right, where you, you give people the benefit of the doubt, and that that's never failed for you, it, there has to be a flip switch for other leaders. Uh, one of the sort of insights that came out of a recent show is just because you're a boss doesn't make you a, you a leader. And so how do we create, like, what advice would you give to create, like, if someone's listening right now and they're like, you know what, uh-oh, am I a boss or am I a leader? Uh-oh. Like, you're going to give them one piece of feedback to really create believership. What would that be? I'm going to give you the piece of advice, but I just want to acknowledge a stat in advance because I'm really honored to be on during the week of International Women's Day. And I'm really honored to be your first female CEO. I'm, I'm sure I won't be the last. One of the one of the pieces or the stats that stuck stood out to me recently was the Globe and Mail has been doing a series called The Power Gap. And they found out that there was more CEOs named Michael than there are female CEOs in the publicly traded companies in Canada. And so that's a stat that really resonates with me. It's it's 2021. Before I get to the advice, I'd also like to say just how powerful this moment has been on demonstrating new styles of leadership. What I'm most proud of of how I lead is with attention point, which is leading with courage and compassion or strength and empathy. And I feel like those emotions or those styles 
aren't often shown in combination or aren't even shown in leadership. And so, so for me, that's been really important to showcase during this time. When do you shut down your stores? How do you empower your people? How do you co-create together? How do you innovate in this moment? And, and that's been really important to say, there is no playbook. There is no phone a friend. How do you encourage your team to truly be a team? And so I guess my piece of advice for other leaders would be, first of all, you need to be authentic. I think too often leaders are showing up not as their best selves. For me, if I had to describe myself in three words, and I know you've asked this of others on your show, I would say I'm passionate, I'm bold, and I'm authentic. But I haven't, I, I've come to realize that that's not always the way people show up. And so I just ask leaders, if you're a boss managing people and managing process and managing outcomes, what would it take to lead others and be part of the team and put the best team on the field and bring all perspectives to the table? Are you doing that? Is that how you're leading your organization? That's maybe not a piece of advice, but maybe just a gut check of a question. Well, what I love about it is it, it, you're forcing the leader to declare, not just to themselves, which is a problem, right? Like actually you declared your three words, right? And I think it's clear for us, you, you, you feel your passion. You know, I wanna get to bold because I wanna hear some of the bold steps you've made over the last year and you, you feel your authenticity. But when you, when you share that with your team, then you're, you're basically setting the expectation of what they should expect from you day in and day out. And yeah. I don't think enough leaders are doing that. I don't know if it's just based off of uh, maybe they think they've done it and they're not being consistent, they're not consistently repeating those three words for them. Be a good little exercise for, for any leader that's listening. So, so, okay, we have be bold and scrappy as your number two behavior goal. Then guess what? Bold shows up as your number two word. So, um, you know, like we, we talk a lot here about the difference between resilience and, and courageous and, and the way we've always described it is change is happening, whether you like it or not. And whether, if, if change is happening to you, that's an act of resilience. And then when you're driving change forward that, and you're proactive about it, that's an act of courage. Um, to acknowledge the reality of the pandemic that you, I'm sure you feel that you've been bold with many resilient tactics that you put in play. Can, can you just talk a little bit about some of the moves you've made over the last year? Happy to. And I really have to credit the Mastermind Toys team collectively for making these happen because some of the courageous and innovative things that we've pulled off could have happened in years and we did them in months. So one of the first bold things that we did was we recognized we didn't have curbside. And we really believe at Mastermind that we're a customer obsessed organization. And I really believe that this was going to be a year of choose your own adventure, meeting the customers how they want to be met. We didn't have curbside. We didn't have a wonder filled website. And so two of our biggest, boldest moves was our curbside offering and launching our new website. Let's talk about curbside first. We could have just done a Band-Aid and duct tape curbside. And to be honest, Ryan's, we did that for a couple of months. We did a version that wasn't perfect, but we needed it up and running. This was probably April, May of last year. But then we said to ourselves, is this going away? What is, what is our busiest season going to look like? And our busiest season, no doubt, is November and December. So we planned for a curbside Christmas. And we said to ourselves, what would make it the best curbside in the offer offering in the market? And we did it. Our curbside has the best promise you could ever imagine. Under an hour, in the trunk of your car, wrapped with our signature wrapping paper or our holiday wrapping paper, and 
We'll help you curate the best toys and books by looking at our gift guide that was designed in Canada with the most beautiful imagery you could ever imagine. And we planned for that curbside Christmas. And then we asked all of our, our associates in the stores to be digital ambassadors. Not only did we put the process and the experience in play, we actually asked our people, what do you need to get better at connecting digital and physical? What do you need so that you can be the best at delivering this? We added phones to some stores. We added extra printing machines. But then for some of our stores that were open, because every province had a different model in Canada, we took a piece of our store. And this word is really important in at Mastermind. One of our keywords is woohoo. So we, we created the woohoo HQ, which is a desk or a fast swim lane in our stores and we retrofitted all of our stores, 69 stores, coast to coast, to have this dedicated space so that if you were curbside, but you were allowed to come in the store to quickly pick it up, you could get it. So that's brilliant. And that was done in a couple of months. The other thing we did was we launched a brand new website, like brand new, like different platform, new customer service platform, new review platform. And we did it our own way with our bold, beautiful colors, our curation model coming to life. And we never even had a digital leader before March of 2020. And our digital leader pulled off an amazing feat with a team of exceptional people to launch our website, launch a website in the middle of the pandemic. And then just to give you one more example of how we were bold and scrappy, we've always really served the mom, but we started to realize that grandparents were really special to us. So we launched the first ever promotion that is monthly it's called Grandparents Day. It has no age limit. And we welcome grandparents into our store the first Tuesday of every month. And it's a special day for them. And we help them find the best books and toys and puzzles and games for milestones or birthdays or holidays. And every other retailer in Canada does Seniors Day. But we do Grandparents Day. Now, I want to tell you something about that. We also failed with our Grandparents Day. The very first time we did it was July 2020. And when we launched it, we said 55 plus. 55 plus, we love you grandparents, come into our stores. We got so much feedback on social media and on our emails that not all grandparents are over 55. So the next month, August 2020, we said, we heard you, grandparents have no limit. If you can come in and tell us the name of your grandkids, you can get the discount. And I think that just shows you how, how much we think about continually innovating and being bold and scrappy and focusing on progress over perfection. We could have waited to perfect that grandparents day. And there wasn't a lot of technology that was required for that. But we said, we need to do something for customers that we need to welcome into our store. And then we listened to them when, when they said, you didn't quite get it right. And we just unashamedly fixed it. Um, and we'll continue to do that because that's, that's what being bold and scrappy means. I think the important thing there is that you're listening and being okay with failing too, because it's just a learning moment. And so many leaders are scared to fail. And, and I think that's just an important note to take away. I mean, you've made some massive moves in a short amount of time. And I'm curious, how, how do you address the pressures of the business and financial expectations with the philosophy, insights, creativity, and, and really get uh, the team, the board to invest in what you believe in strategically. Um, and sometimes over that hump of like stasis or, or 
or fear? How, how do you move through that? How do you convince others, other stakeholders in the business um, to really get to that point of belief? Well, I think it's important to acknowledge that I came into Mastermind Toys with a change agenda. And I'm a strategy consultant in terms of my upbringing. And so I had a really clear strategy for Mastermind pre-pandemic. I was presenting to the board my vision in the fall of 2019. And I was really clear on what I believed in for Mastermind. And so they were on board with that. And I'm happy to share that the four pillars of that strategy were declare Mastermind as Canada's authority on play and put more swagger behind the brand. The second one was deliver as much wonder online as in store and lead the organization on a digital reinvention. The third one was to take our toy curation to the next level in terms of showing up in more places or being a better resource for parents. And the fourth one was really to drive a performance culture and an inclusive culture where there was more uh, co-creation and feedback and, and an opportunity to go on this ride together. And so I, I wanted to share that with you because it's not like we created a new strategy within the midst of the pandemic. Now the leadership team and the mastermind toys team had a moment where I suggested in the middle or in the beginning of this, let's do a bit of a gut check. Do we think our strategy still works? Maybe it comes to life in different ways or we need to move faster, but are we still committed to this strategy? And so we had a strategy going into our store closures and we agreed it was the right one, but we, we believed that we needed to accelerate in some places. And I think the important thing on all of this was that I didn't have believership across the organization. But well, that's the important thing to recognize. It's not like everyone believed in my strategy coming in. It's not like the, the entire organization flipped a switch and said, we're behind you, let's go. But what I started to realize was that it was important how I showed up and the questions I asked or the statements I made. So I would start asking questions to understand how things works or why we did things like the way that we did. And I often heard a lot of no's or we can't do it that way. And one of my mantras be became find more ways to say yes. We've never sold online toys before. We didn't think it could be profitable digitally, or we don't believe that we can bring the same wonder of our stores online. And I, and I would say, I don't want to hear no. I want you to find more ways to say yes. And that became a, an important way for people to believe in me. I think the way that we celebrated our small wins was also a way to build momentum together and believe that our strategy was working. I was looking for indicators or moments as our stores were closed, as our curbside wasn't up and running. What are some ways to showcase that our strategy is working? How do I show them that momentum is coming together? And so I really think that believership took time. And I really think it took a lot of attention. And I shared this with Ryan you yesterday in terms of our conversation on a on a summit around retail transformation and digital and technology it was really about me being the chief communicator and reminding people why are we doing this and it was incredibly inspirational to see the stores and to see our warehouse and to see our people rally behind it and to build that momentum and they became really proud of themselves and i think that's the also the important thing is as a leader you need to plant those seeds for others to grow and for others to feel the wins. And I never attributed any of the wins to myself. And I'll tell you the best moment was when in the midst of all this in late last year, we found out that we were the most innovative retailer in 2020. And it was such a pride moment for Mastermind Toys. And it was because of our thousands of associates coast to coast. And it was because of them and their ideas. And I made sure that every idea that came to life 
that came from a store or that came to an, from an associate was attributed to them by name. So much so that we started a weekly thing called the mastermind moment where someone is recognized for their idea or a great customer experience moment. And it is something that everyone looks forward to on a weekly basis to see who has won the mastermind moment. And every store has to contribute every single week. I love how thoughtful that is. And I, I think you're creating the consistent behavior that you want. And, and uh, yeah, I also adored how yeah, you see yourselves not as the CEO, but the chief communications officer. And that's, that's what it, that's what they needed at that particular moment. But I, I have a confession to make Sarah, and I need your help through this because, you know, in some ways we're all compensated to be calculated crystal ballers, right? You take the data that you see and you're doing the best you can with that data. And then you're making predictions forward. But I get frustrated when I can see like what the future looks like and you're working with the group and they don't, they don't see it yet. And like help again, cause there's only like, you even have believers, you make believers, you've got fake believers. And then there's those fence sitters that are kind of waiting to see what happens and they don't say anything. They just kind of have their arms crossed. I can sense those people, but I get frustrated. I get frustrated at that moment when we have an idea that I know can move people along. What advice would you give me? when I'm in the messy journey, when we think we have something to, to kind of bring people along. So first I'm a kindred spirit with you. I'm, I'm a mathlete by training. I'm an engineer. I love numbers. My superpower is that pat pattern recognition. I mean, I love solving complex problems. I pride myself on trend. The thing I've learned, I've come to love about the toy industry is how dynamic it is. I'm a big fashionista on the side, but the toy industry is so incredibly trend-based that you have to spot that trend before, before it hits. And at Mastermind Toys, that's what we're great at. We spotted the fidget trend, at least in 2021, before anybody else. When, when you talk about, but how do you encourage others to see that pattern with you? I believe that's why I say I'm the chief communicator over, over the course of my career. And it started in strategy consulting and then leading a complex team at Scotiabank. It was all about how do you, how do you distill that message? How do you ask it as a question for those who need to figure it out on their own? How do you say it in a way that it makes it relevant to them? How do you connect the dots so they can see how, how they show up every day ladders up to where you're going. And so for me, it's been about, really figuring out what motivates people. And it's not what one size fits all. As a leader, you, you don't have the opportunity to show up every day and expect everybody else to act the way you want them to. You're the one who has to inspire your team and get to know your team. And that's why I believe this empathy that's required as a leader today is so important. You need to spot those fence sitters and say, I'm going to show you a way to get to the other side. You need to take those naysayers and say, I might need to park it for a bit because they need to see me add a few more bats, a few more reps to see that come to life. And that's why I started honestly doing Ryan, the small wins. I'm, I'm, I'm showing you where we're going and I want you to be a part of it and it's working. And for those who are with me, they're the ones that I want all the ideas as fast as humanly possible. And I want them to move faster. And what do I need to do to take speed bumps out of your way, right? As a leader, you really have two roles. You take speed bumps out of the way, or you act as an accelerator and put more wind in their sails. And so that's what I ask my team all the time. And then I would just say, you need to have a bit of patience, Right. There's, there's moments when, at least for me Wait, as a fast thinker, what is it? What is patience. it called? Patience. Me, Patience. You know, I, I could start spelling it for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, and I only say that because I have to remind myself, and especially in a moment like a pandemic, everything became so clear on what you needed to prioritize, but you also had to have patience in yourself to bring it to life. We pulled off some incredible, incredible milestones in a year that I look back on, and I can't believe it was only a year. But even in the moment, it felt like you were always asking people to go faster. And the human element of this is we needed to take stuff off people's place, plates. I also became, you know, the, the strategist on saying, what are we going to prioritize for now versus what can we stop doing? There was just our buckets were too full that we could not do everything at once. So I think taking other things away from people so they can see where you're going is another one. But if you have any advice on this one, I'm all ears too, because I'm still learning and growing on that dimension. You know, I think you said some interesting things in there and business can be so um, short-term focused and there's like this cult of productivity and busyness and like removing and creating space is so important so that you actually have time to be creative or execute or actually do work and not sit in meetings all day, right? One of the things that you said was also interesting around small wins, which I look at as confidence builders. And you're obviously very charismatic and you have a sense of confidence about you and aura. And I'm curious, where, where did that come from? Because I think that that's contagious, right? Your energy can be contagious with the team. So can you just talk to us a little bit about your self-confidence and how you feel that um, that has been influenced in the business that you operate as well? Well, this is a great question and also um, a, a part of my story that I'm really happy to share as part of International Women's Day, and hopefully it can inspire others. I was so lucky growing up, Ryan. I had parents who instilled a can-do attitude in me. I have an older brother who's a full foot taller than me. He is exceptional in math and science, and he made me really fierce. And all growing up, I had no concept of the glass ceiling. I did not even know what that word meant. And I was really taught that I could do anything as long as I worked for it. And I was taught that resilience. And I'm really, I'm really thankful now as a parent to have, been to, have, to have grown up in that environment. I also had a grandfather who was for sure for me, the original he for she cheerleader. He encouraged me to go into business. He encouraged me to do my MBA. He encouraged me to go into different environments where maybe I wasn't the normal, but that I had something to bring to the table. I did engineering at a time where there was less than 20% women in the program. I did my MBA when there was less than 16% in the program. I, I grew up at Boston Consulting Group where there wasn't a lot of female or diverse leaders at the top. And I, I honestly believe that for me, it all started from my parents and how they created an environment for me where I was unaware that there was a limitation on what I could achieve. And I think that's a really special thing. And I'm, I'm so incredibly lucky for that. And I recognize that not everyone had that privilege in terms of their upbringing. What I have to say is that for me now, um, there were moments in my career when I had naysayers and there were moments in my career where I wasn't authentic. I, I don't wanna sit here and say, you know, the last 15 years of my career has been, you know, sunshine and lollipops and everyone's been cheerleading and I've been drafting from behind. I've had moments where, people have looked at me really curiously on why my energy level or my determination or my communication style that's really an energetic and full of flair, how that could work in a boardroom or with a Fortune 500 CEO. And I struggled at moments to actually 
wonder what did I have to change in order to be welcome in that environment? And what, I, what, I'm, what I'm proud of is that I had a personal board of directors, one that I kind of created over time, who were always there to kind of snap me out of it, to say, you know, you need to refine and you need to grow and you need to mature, but you do not need to change. You need to find the right moment in the right role with the right skill set and the right team, and it will all come together. And, and, you know, I had Ryan, I had to have patience for that. Right. But I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm telling others that for me, it was mentors and coaches and parents and, and a spouse and my kids and my friends and my coworkers and my teams who have all believed in me or have created moments where I've had to reflect to say, what do I want to accomplish here? And, and I'll tell you on your board of directors, if you don't have those people who, who are your peers, who can actually, you know, bring you down or tell you to look behind the corner or look at your blind spot, like you need all types of input on your board of directors. But the one thing I'll tell you about all of this is that for me, I didn't learn early enough that it's okay to walk away from something. And one of my biggest piece of advice is for those, if you find yourself in that moment where people aren't believing in you and you can't be your authentic self, it's okay to go somewhere else. And I always say, make sure when you're leaving something, you're running towards something instead of running away from something. And that's certainly something in my career. I wish I'd had the courage to take risks earlier on and actually to go into environments where I could be my best self. And I think I held on a little too long in some cases. I love that. It's such a good message and it's so important and it, we've all done it. We're all on this journey and it, they're all feedback loops, right? Whether it's adversity or support, um, they're moments of growth. And it seems that there's like this underlying theme of persistence that um, needs to be looked at. And, you know, one of the things that, that you conveyed is, is really around role models in so many different aspects. And could you just talk a little bit, you know, you've said, you've mentioned mentors, but can you just talk a, a little bit about how important it is to one role model the behavior that you would like to see? This reminds me of parenting 101, by the way, but why is that important for not only a leader, but also for those who are looking to follow the right people? You know, I think walking the talk is incredibly important. I think role modeling is incredibly important in a moment where, you know, we need more and different perspectives. And if I want an inclusive environment and I want an authentic environment at Mastermind Toys, then I have to show up as an authentic leader. I think as a side point to all of this, I've had moments when I haven't been at my best self and I know it doesn't bring out the best in me. And so for me, role modeling, showing up as Sarah Jordan, you know, passionate, bold, authentic Sarah Jordan shows others that they can be themselves at work too. And that that comes in different flavors, sizes, colors, shapes. For me too, it's, all, it's, it's not only persistence, Ryan, but it's also I have a deep curiosity and a desire to be a lifelong learner. And I've also told myself, because I am a perfectionist, I also have told myself, if you're not feeling uncomfortable, you're not growing. And sometimes we take ourselves out of situations because we don't feel like we're up for the task or we don't know all the pieces of how to solve that puzzle. And I think that's something that we've heard of about women as well, that they won't apply for the job unless they have 100% of the qualifications 
but a male leader will if they have, you know, less than 80%. And so for me, that lifelong learning and that curiosity is also important to role model. I don't have all the answers. I really want other perspectives to come to the table. And then the other thing that I like to role model is a bit of optimism. I'm a pessimist by heart. So I've had to I've had to really focus on being optimistic and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I think Ryan, you said now we're in the tunnel, but hopefully we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And one of the pieces of of or my mantras that I say on a daily basis is grass is greener where you water it. So even if you don't find yourself in the situation where you're at your best or you're in your dream role, and by the way, I haven't been in my dream role for my entire career other than probably this moment at Mastermind, and I'm leading in the middle of a pandemic, you have to create the conditions where you can make the best out of it. You can't always run towards something else. That's not always possible. So when you don't, when you don't have the opportunity to take that risk, you've got to water the grass where, where, you, where you are and make it greener. And so for me, that's a little bit about the role modeling is that you're not role modeling how to do the job or how to do the process steps. You're you're role modeling how to show up. And I think too often we role model how to do the work instead of the behaviors that you respect in others and that you want to encourage in others. I'm calling you out on the pessimist comment. I I don't see that at all. I, I, at heart, I I think where you're, this is unfair for me to throw at you, but acknowledging you have a process of where the watchouts are is different than being a pessimist, you know? And so I, I don't sense a pessimist. I, I think you're go back to your three words. You didn't say passionate, pessimist and bold, right? So I'm com- I'm coming for you. Cause I, 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 my number one value is an op- I'm an optimist actually until very recently it was, it was playfulness. Um, but I, I just feel having that process that you go about to find what you have to like address first is very different. And I also want to acknowledge, and I know this is a different comment that for being on the journey that you've been on, um, I appreciate you recognizing that maybe you, you stayed too long at certain places and, 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 and that fear that comes with leaving someplace that you know you should leave. And we've, you've come up to that wall and you're like, why am I staying? Why am I, why am I staying at this particular place? And, uh, you know, fear and courage are brothers. You, you can't get to, to the courageous move without like addressing what you're afraid of. And most people like to suppress that stuff. So I would love to just sort of end with, okay, where was that time in your career? You don't have to call out the company, but like what, what, what was the environment like where you, where you felt afraid to eject yourself and move on to what's next? I think there were a few moments and for me, it was always about how was I defining success in that moment? I'm someone who likes to see things through. I'm a real loyalist. I want to finish the job that I've started. And for me, it was more about what, what is, what is the, the, the thing that I'm trying to accomplish? And for me, I always add more to that statement So once one thing is done, I add another milestone or I add another big boulder to move. And I've started to realize about myself that I have to take moments of reflection to say, have I learned what I want to learn and do I want to move on? I'll be honest, the comment about running away from something or I stayed too long has nothing to do with those companies. I'm a very proud alumni of the Boston Consulting Group, and I would not be the CEO of Mastermind Toys if I did not leave the complex team that I did at Scotiabank. It was more of a reflection on have I, have I run my course on being a lifelong learner? Am I still showing up as my authentic self? And, and, and am I bringing 
the best of me to the table. And I think for, for too long, I didn't stop myself to define had I gotten there. I was always adding more to the, to the list of things to do. And I, I think you, for me as an innovative leader, as a, as a change agent, as a transformer, I'm always going to add more to the to-do list. And so I've just gotten better at saying to myself, what am I trying to accomplish? And maybe I should even put a calendar invite in my calendar to say every three months, check in on how you're doing towards that goal. I'm not a status quo operator. I need, I light up in transformation. I light up in innovation. I've gotten to know that about myself, which means that there's a longevity question to how I show up in roles. It means that I need to be prepared for taking on the next task. And so that's up to me, not those other organizations to ask me to you know, stop performing. It's up to me to say, have I now left a legacy of transformation for the next right leader, for the next chapter of what that organization's going through? Because you can't innovate at this pace, um, at this um, size of transformation all the time over the course of multiple years or decades. There has to be some different chapters in the growth and evolution of a company. And so I just, I feel right now it's, it's so powerful to be in the right place at the right moment, leading the right team. And I feel like it's all come together for Mastermind Toys and for me personally as a leader. I think this is a fantastic uh, episode. And uh, you know what, I, what I'm taking away is number one, Let's make sure we get clear for ourselves. Let's be clear what's important, and then let's be consistent on how we bring that bring that to our teams. Um, I love that small wins that you talked about. Uh, at first, I thought you said small wind, but it's, technically it is small wind too. It's like it is the wind at the sails, the small little wind that goes with those winds. Um, and then the other piece that's so important is to be the mirror, right? To be the the believer mirror and create believership. And I loved how what you said is like give people the benefit of the doubt. And believe in them. Don't have, they don't need to prove anything to you. And and you'll reward the people that keep pushing forward. Um, and hopefully the others will come along, right? Because uh, we need them as well. And uh, and finally, just the, the power of passion. Um, obviously, that's a show about courage. We're passionate about courage. We we feel that in you. And um, and again, keep doing what you're doing up there. Uh, anything else you want to end with before we wrap up? You know, I think you mentioned it there at the end, but I'll just reinforce how incredibly important it is to lead with purpose, purpose-based decision-making, purpose-based leadership. Find what your organization started with. What was it? Why did they, why did they get created? For us at Mastermind Toys, I found a poster when I walked into my office the first day that said, why kids play? And then I found a statement from the original CEO, one of the founding CEOs that said, play is kids work. And then I found a letter from a couple decades ago that said, childhood happens but once and goes by so fast, so every toy and book counts. And I say all of that because find what it is that is going to ignite that passion in you for your team and your leadership. We're not just a toy store. We deeply believe that play is kids' work. And when your organization was founded or when your team came together, there was a mission they were on. And find that out and see, is it still relevant today? Because in this moment, we need to make some bold moves, but you need some inspiration to create the resilience and the courage to make it happen. So what's your purpose and are you leading with it? Bravo. The most positive, purpose-driven pessimist you'll ever meet on the planet, Sarah. I, I don't believe it for, for, for a minute. No, I, I love the way you, you roll and you inspire us. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us five stars, subscribe, and leave us a comment. 
If you like what you just heard, sign up for your weekly dose of courage at returnoncourage.com.